of a different service because it's Youth Sunday. So we have our, our teenagers who are going to be here helping us throughout the whole service. And so, um, but we've got a, a great service planned for you this morning. So why don't you guys stand up and uh, we're going to sing a few songs to the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. And Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. And tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to Precious Jesus, your friend. 
chorus one last time. And Jesus, Jesus, now I trust him. How I prove him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Y'all give God some praise this morning. Amen. You can have a seat. Welcome church family. We're glad you're here today. If you're visiting for the first time, have a prayer request or just wanting to connect, please text connect to 904-441-6900. Ladies, today is the last day to sign up for the Sojourners Woman event on no Saturday, November 4th. Our guest speaker and worship will focus on finding our paths through our journey in this world, in this world headed to destination heaven. Stop by our table in the atrium to learn more and purchase tickets. And this Wednesday, we have Lifehouse at 6 p.m., and we can't wait to see you there. Lastly, next Sunday is time change. Enjoy your extra hour of sleep, and try not to get to church before we are here ready for you. <laughs> So this is a time where we normally have something called our generosity moment, where we want, to, uh, we want to thank our church for being so generous. We want to pray that God will, will use our tithes, our offerings for his glory to build his kingdom, not ours. And we're going to remember at this point that we're building a new building back here. A lot of times I'm walking through the town and people say, what's that building you guys got going on there? And I tell them about what's going on. And it's for our next generation. We call it for generations to come or 4G. And so we thought it might be neat if we have one generation and the next generation standing here before you this, this morning to, to share with you what we're excited about. I'm excited because I get the opportunity, the blessing, the privilege, the honor to be able to lead my children in the student ministry. I love being here as a youth pastor here, but yeah, you can clap for that. And my kids are in the youth ministry. What a blessing that is to be able to lead them. Yeah. And so um, I asked Shepard to come here and um, talk about, this is my oldest son, Shepard. I asked him to come and share just a, a little bit about what he's excited about and looking forward to this new building. So some things that I'm excited about is definitely the space. Because on Wednesdays, we have almost all of the chairs filled with kids and their friends and we're all trying to share the gospel of Jesus to everyone in that room. So when we say, hey, these people at our school need to know Jesus, we can't really invite them to Wednesdays because we're already full. So space will be great to continue sharing with other people who need it. Yeah, we have actually every chair filled. We're, we're like going into other rooms looking for more chairs every week, which is an awesome problem to have. But um, so, so you know, um, as, as many of you do, there are three ways to give. You can go online. Right at the top, it says give. You can click that button in, and it'll pull up a little site where you can uh, dial something in. You can text the word give to the number that we often have on the screen, 904-441-6900. That'll pull up a little link, 
and you can um, give through that way. Or you can just go to the boxes that are out in the atrium. You can drop something in um, physically in any of those boxes, and that's how, how you can give. And so Shepherd's going to also lead us as in a word of prayer so that we can pray that God will use our gifts for his glory, so that he will do something with them that we can't do. We can give. We can do things that are temporary, but only God can do things that are good for eternity. So will you bow your heads in prayer? Lord, please help us to put our selfishness aside to give to you so that you can use it for your glory. Please use what we give for your glory and for the ultimate goal of sharing Jesus with more. In your name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Today I'll, today I'll be doing the um, worship call and I shall be reading... Micah 7, 18 through 19, and Hebrews 9, uh, Hebrews 8, 12, sorry. Um, Micah 7, 18 through 19 says, Who is a God like you, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. He will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities, and you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Hebrews 8, 12 says, for I'll forgive their wrongdoings, and I'll never again remember their sins. It's a call to worship leading us into this next song, which is called His, Mercy's, His Mercy is More. We are all sinful, and I am constantly aware, as the psalmist writes, that my sin is before God and is against him. And it says in, that, in those scriptures that he will cast our sin as far as the east is from the west, and he will remember them no more. While we are constantly made aware of our sinfulness, we can praise the Lord that his mercy is more. And where our sin increases, his grace increases all the more. So will you stand and sing this song with us? Praise the Lord. His Our 
So teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay Sing that again So teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you And Jesus, you're my hope and stay Lord, I need you Oh, I need you morning church uh, it's an honor to speak to you all today my name is uh, Jake Butler I am a junior at Nice High School um, and I'm a leader uh, uh, for the fellowship of Christian athletes there and I've been going to church here my entire life I was baptized here but um, this year was the first year that I've ever actually started going to youth consistently and church consistently um, I've always believed in God, and I didn't really know why I believed, though. It's just because my parents believed, and I saw how it impacted their lives. And I noticed this past, like, year that I didn't really have a relationship with God until I was about uh, late 15, early 16. So, um, sorry about that. Uh, it... I'm so sorry. <laughs> but when I was uh, 16, I started going to FCA. And when I went there, I saw how uh, these people who I saw every day at school, how God moved through their lives and uh, how they 
impacted other people and like how they were just so happy and they had all this joy all the time. Um, but the most influential person in my walk with Christ uh, was the leader of FCA that year. His name was Jacob Lindsay. And he probably, without him, I probably wouldn't have had a relationship with God. I, um, even though I had a relationship with God after I started going to FCA, I still didn't pray that often, and I rarely ever read the Bible. But after I started going back here to youth group, it everything changed. Um, uh, there's so many people who influence my relationship with Jesus here. Uh, Pastor Jeremy was one of them. Um, Nate was one of them. And without them, I wouldn't have had this relationship that I have now. Um, so because of the, this godly environment, all this, it just inspired me so much and changed me. And one way that changed me is um, I started, I, I, had the, the, I had the desire to become a youth pastor, and these men and women just helped me with that walk and helped me know if I'm called or not to this. And without them, I would not be standing here in front, like I would not be talking to you all today. I would not have this relationship, so thank you all very much. Good morning, church. Very honored to be up here this morning to have a little talk with y'all. My name's Reed Carroll, by the way. Have you ever noticed how babies' eyes have this shine to them? Not as much as toddlers, but mainly newborns. If you pay attention to them, especially in pictures, you'll notice their eyes just shine, right? They're so bright. I actually went and did a little research on this myself. And as many of you might know, when you're born, we usually have blue eyes or color close to it. And that's where the saying baby blue come from, right? From those beautiful blue eyes. But when we're born, our eyes tend to have very low melanin levels. And this lack of melanin in our eyes allows for the light to bounce off our eyes. And that's why in pictures you just see those beautiful beaming bright eyes for a baby. But it's only some months later till more melanin comes in for a lot of us. We lose that brightness in our eyes. And I've noticed that as how when we grow up we tend to lose that brightness in our eyes. We also tend to use the brightness and joy in our life. We lose that. And unfortunately enough, this happens for a lot of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as well. We lose our joy, our happiness. We go from being so joyful, so full of life in our past, to rather tragically seeming becoming stuck in the state of just a loss of joy, which is incredibly devastating because as followers of Christ, we're supposed to be the ones with the most joy. I mean, we should be in celebration. We should be like a man who just found out he's going to be a father. We should be bursting with joy. So why are a lot of us not so? It's heartbreaking to see and hear about so many people who have faith in Christ. You just have got so bogged down by life, they've become distraught. This fascinated me. How can this be? And more importantly, what is the help the Bible can offer us on this matter? And I found it in the frankly chilling but very wise book of Ecclesiastes. Now, <clears throat> one thing of note with Ecclesiastes in particular, 
is that this book itself is technically anonymous. There's no mention of any direct name of author in the book. However, we can infer a very likely candidate. Ecclesiastes begins by someone called in Hebrew the Kohilath, or the preacher. He's the son of the former king of David and is now himself the king of Israel. This, according to rabbinic tradition and ours, the writer of this book would be King Solomon himself, who lived around 970-930 BC. Going off of this, we'd have to accept the Jewish tradition of when this book was written, being Song of Solomon, written when he was young, Proverbs in his middle years, and finally, when he's a senior, we have Ecclesiastes written. Now, when reading this book, we're coming into the knowledge that this would not contain just wisdom, but the entirety of wisdom of King Solomon throughout his whole life. So this book has more valuable information in it than our grandma's cookbook. But once we start reading, you'll notice something sounds off. So if you're able, won't you please stand with me as we honor the word of God. Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 4. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. You can sit down. <laughs> now what's fascinating is we just came out of Proverbs, a book about sticking to wisdom and how it will be good for you. And so did Solomon. He just wrote Proverbs just some time ago. But now we see the phrase repeated, vanity. Now what you'll see used is the Hebrew word hevel. The preacher uses this throughout the book, and I got it counted. 38 uses of hevel, which include vanity, vanities, and one other word, which was also translated to hevel. And there's a specific reason I'm using KJV, because in this specific case, KJV is just more accurate. Other versions, you'll see the word displayed as meaningless in some of them. This is not accurate. The interesting thing here is that hevel means like a vapor. You probably heard from another pastor that life is like a vapor. It comes and it passes. Now, this is what he's saying. Not that it's meaningless, but like a vapor, life is hard to grasp onto. One moment you can see it, and then it takes another shape. It's clear, yet if it gets around you, you can get lost in the fog of it. It is like passing. It's like vanity. It's not meaningless. No, life most certainly has a meaning. But at times, it can all seem unclear. And this preacher in the state of mind continues to list reasons why. Ecclesiastes 1.18, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge also increaseth sorrow. A man who has been given by God wisdom greater than all of Israel is depressed, is heartbroken. And he finds that despite all he has, he becomes even more depressed. He observed this constant of life and yet another. And, so, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of the spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do that cometh after the king? even that which hath already been done. Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly. As far as light excelleth darkness, the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in the darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happened to them all. Then I said in my heart, 
as it happened to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this is also vanity. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than the fool forever. For seeing which is now in the days to come shall be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man? As the fool. You can read the distress from him. This preacher going into saying how even he works day in and day out under the sun. He's found that everything appears to him as vanity. Everything appears to him as hevel. That you can be so extraordinarily wise. That no matter what you have, no matter how much you work, he feels as if in the end that none of it's going to matter. Everyone ends up in the same way. Now he carries on with this theme as well as other pockets of realization he had in his life until he gets to yet another major point in this book he's writing. You see, opposed to Proverbs, a book which teaches about wisdom and how following wisdom will be good for you, he observes that life under the sun, or in other words, the vanities of this world, do not always pay dues to those which worked for it. Ecclesiastes 9, 10 through 12. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom, in a grave, whither thou goest, I returned. And saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet the bread to the wise, nor yet riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but the time and chance happeneth to them all. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in evil time, when it falls suddenly upon them. That's what he said. And he observes something that he called chance. That people put their life's work into something, yet on this, they put their life's work into a goal, but it might not always come back to them. He goes this whole book listing off things he calls evil under the sun, about how misfortune plagues life and how he finds things temporary. But at the same time, he also acknowledges the usefulness of practical wisdom. That, oh yes, even though life doesn't always go as desired, we should still follow Proverbs and the wisdom in there. Why? Well, because it's the right thing to do. So what's the hope in this? What do we take out of it? Well, he goes into this in chapter 9, Ecclesiastes 9, 79. Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works, let thy garments be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all those days of life and of the vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is the portion in this life, and thy labor which thou takest under the sun. That because knowing how life's passing, how it changes constantly, how we don't know our future, we need to stop trying to control all of it. He ends this book in chapter 11 and 12, stating ultimately to enjoy every moment of our life, all of it, remembering the troubling days and sticking to the Lord in all ways to fear him. We are possessive creatures, but we cannot control everything. We must let go of our grasp. Throughout the book, you can see just after him saying vanity, he often says grasping for the wind. We can try so hard to have everything in control of our life, but we just can't. We have to let go of taking control and enjoy the present. We may not see everything in our life, but for us believers with the word, with following his wisdom, we can have a light unto our path. We won't see the whole path, but in the word, we can confidently take one step ahead, one step forward at a time. Enjoy the little things. 
Enjoy every moment with your family. Enjoy laughing with your friends or the time soaking in the wonders of God's creation. The world has lost a majority of its joy. But I believe it is still possible to be amazed at life's wonders. The knowledge of knowing that everything we experience on this earth only happens once is the most profound and amazing thing. Life as scary it can get, life is amazing. The author of this story ends with one last thing of note. Let us hear the conclusion for the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Thank you. And now you get just a little glimpse of the privilege that I have every week of getting to work with all of these students. It's such a blessing to be able to see how, how God works in their lives and shapes these young minds to, to learn who he is and to, to fall more in love with him and to see them grow in their faith and to see their faith become their own. Because we, we, uh, we bring them to church as children and they kind of have our faith right? And somewhere around middle school, high school, when they start to, to really start to read the, the word for themselves, their faith becomes their faith. And then you see that faith start to grow. And, um, and I'm so just proud of them. Um, I'm honored to work with them. It is a privilege. It is so, so much fun and so cool to see God working in them. And they also um, frustrate the heck out of you. Make you want to pull out all your hair even when you don't have any because um, there's a lot of days that it's just um, more difficult than you could ever imagine um, working with um, teenagers. But we love it. We love it. We love working with teenagers. So <clears throat> you guys are like, um, better you than me. No, no, it's, I love it. That's, that's what we do, you know. Anyway, so I want to take just a moment here at the beginning of, of this next little part to um, pray for some very specific things that are going on in our church and in the world. Is our, uh, some of our, our church members um, have started and are on the board of an orphanage in Haiti. And right now, I'm not sure of all of the details that, that are going on behind it, but right now, um, there's some very difficult um, things going on. There's some very dangerous things going on there in Haiti around that orphanage, and they've actually had to go into the orphanage that we have and take the kids out of the orphanage and bring them to a place um, that's off campus so, so that they can be safe. And it's not um, sustainable for them. It's not ideal. And there's a lot of uh, dangerous uh, situations going on there right now. And so we want to um, pray for Haiti and our orphanage in Haiti. As well, I want to um, remember Israel. And we're going to learn here in just a minute a little bit more. I'll say something again. But I want to challenge you, or not challenge you, I want to invite you, keep your eye on Israel. As we get closer and closer to the Lord coming back, things are going to happen in Israel. Because they are still the chosen people of God. That is still the, the promised land, the chosen land of the Lord. And keep your eye on Israel. Because um, what happens there is going to be what we see in the book of Revelation and in the end. So um, because of what's, what all is going on there right now, um, I, uh, I believe it's very, very important that we support and pray for Israel. We support them as a, as a nation. We support them as a community. We su support them personally any way that we can. Keep your eye on Israel and pray for them. And I want to do that here in just a minute. And even while whatever news outlet you partake in, generally the headline that comes up on, on your 
device, whatever you're looking at, is usually the thing that's on the front of your mind. And um, so a lot of us don't quite have on the front of our mind Ukraine right now. We have missionaries in Ukraine because it kind of has taken a little bit of backseat to all of these other big things that are going on as well. And I want to remember that there is still a war going on in Ukraine. We have missionaries there. God is working there. And there's a lot of very, very dangerous um, things going on there right now. So I want us to pray for them. So at the beginning of this um, part of the service, will you guys... Um, uh, bow with me in prayer as we pray for these. Lord, we um, just want to lift these requests up to you. You are a God who holds the universe in the palm of your hand. You spoke everything that we know into being with just, a, just one word in one moment. And you are a God who is so mighty. You are, you, are, you are bigger than anything we could ever imagine. You can do all things that can be done. You are in all places at all times, and you know all things that can be known. You, God, are, are supreme. You are ultimately um, self-existent. You don't need anything <clears throat> or anyone. We come to you, Lord, because you are the one who can do anything about anything in this world. And we pray that um, your will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we submit our will to yours. And we pray for Haiti right now. We pray for peace and rest. We pray for safety for the children that we know in our orphanage as well as children all over that place, Lord. We pray that you will bless them, that you'll minister to them, that you'll comfort them, that you'll give them peace, that you'll meet them in a practical way where they are, and that you'll bring them home so that they can, <clears throat> that they can be safe, that we can minister to them, and that through the turmoil that we can share the gospel. And even though um, our flesh may perish on this earth. Lord, I pray that as we share the gospel, that souls will come to know you that will live for eternity. Lord, we also look to Israel right now and we pray for them. We know that they are special to your heart. We're special, they are special to your plan and your purpose. Um, ever since the beginning of time, you have loved Israel and we lift them up to you now. We pray that you, your will will be done, that you will keep them safe. We especially pray for the innocents in that whole land of civilians and people who have nothing to do with any of this fight, <clears throat> and then, but they're being uh, taken hostage and hurt and beaten, abused. Lord, we pray that you will step in in a mighty way, in, in a very special way, in a practical way, that you will bring peace to the land, that your will will be done, that you will guard and protect Israel, and we lift them up to you. Lord, we also pray for Ukraine. We pray for our missionaries that are there. We pray for the work that you're doing there. We pray for safety for them and that they may have opportunity to share the gospel so that people will come to know you, that you will do a work, what you want to do, that you will draw people to yourself. Use all of this turmoil, all of this war, all of this hurt, all of this selfishness, this greed, this pain. Use it for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> I've got just a, a few minutes here, and I want to bring, um, bring a, a, a quick little message. It's a, not just a small message, but it's a powerful message. As I thought and I prayed about what to bring to the traditional crowd, what to, what to bring on a youth Sunday, I could have gone in any direction, and I thought that the, the, the most um, important thing is to talk about Jesus. And one of the things that we like to share with our students is for them to, to have a faith of their own. 
and to, to really believe what they believe. We're not about going through the motions. We don't want to just go through the same old thing of just showing up to church. And I say, showing up to church doesn't make, any more, any, any much, much, doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's would make you a Big Mac, right? It's like, you don't just show up and become a Christian. You've got to actually believe the things that we believe. So did you know, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I got a couple of them here. Did you know that when Heinz ketchup comes out of the bottle and onto your plate, it's traveling at a rate of 25 miles per year? Did you know that? It's true. Did you know that a duck's quack doesn't echo? And nobody knows why. Interesting. Did you know that your sneeze can travel at a rate of 65 miles an hour when it's coming out of your mouth? Pretty crazy. 65 miles an hour, a sneeze. Did you know that broken glass, with the crack, travels 3,000 miles an hour? Okay, that's like it takes, um, it takes one millionth of a second to photograph grass clack, or glass cracking. Kind of interesting. Did you know that rice paper doesn't have any rice in it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, did you know that the average person laughs 13 times a day? Kind of interesting. Now, <clears throat> you may not believe everything that I've told you because it may or may not actually be true. Just found it on a website somewhere, right? Um, but, but sometimes when things seem too crazy to be true, they usually are. But what about if I told you that, um, that there was a, a demigod that was promised and he would one day become um, the, the, the ruler of a great kingdom and he would offer you never-ending life? Would you believe that? Would you believe that? That's what we tell our students. We tell them that there's this, there's this guy who is promised, who is foretold of, and he's 100% God and 100% man. And he came to this earth and he lived perfectly, which no human has ever done. He died a sacrificial death and he actually rose from the dead. And now he's somewhere up in heaven right now and his spirit if you will pray a prayer or believe in what we tell you, that it will actually possess you, will actually come and live inside of you and work good things through you so that you can live forever in eternity. That's kind of crazy, right? But we challenge these students to believe this. And, 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 and they could just believe it. They could believe it because we tell them to. But instead of just challenging them to believe it, I like to share facts. I like to share them with them real things from the scriptures or real things that we can see, that we can actually hang our hat on that don't. I believe it actually takes more faith to not believe in God than it takes to believe in God if you'll just look for the truth. Okay, so there were 351 prophecies of the Messiah, 351. And if one person was gonna fulfill just eight prophecies, <clears throat> they were gonna fulfill eight prophecies, it would take, the chances of one person fulfilling eight prophecies would be one in 10 to the 17th power, just to fulfill eight of them. That's crazy. There's nothing in our world that we would put, that we would bet on if it had that kind of odds. We would say that anything with those kind of odds is impossible to happen. But if one person was gonna fulfill 48 prophecies, the chance would be 1 in 10 to the 157th power. If they were going to fulfill all of the prophecies, it would literally be impossible. And Jesus 
fulfilled every prophecy. I actually have a sheet, which I've, as I've been here for a little bit more than three years, I've done this, I've done that message a couple of times and I've gone through a lot of the prophecies and I've printed them out and shown them to them all. So you can say, these are all of the prophecies and they're all fulfilled in one man. So the question that you can ask any of your Jewish friends, if you're Jewish and you're listening to this day, if you're listening to this today, my question would be, why is Jesus not the Messiah? He fulfilled all of the prophecies. He is. And there's facts that we can can see that will make our faith grow stronger. So we're going to look at a few of those in the book of Matthew. In the Gospels, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then we have John. Mark was written to the Romans, Luke was written to the Gentile Christians, and John was written so that people would believe. But the book of Matthew was written to Jewish people. And it was written to Jews um, to prove them that Jesus is the Messiah. And it has more Old Testament quotes, which all Jewish people believe in. And, And it quotes all of these to say, like, as the prophets that you believe, as they have written, this is what they say. So Matthew didn't explain Jewish tradition. They knew it. He used Jewish phrases like the kingdom of God to prove to them that Jesus is the Messiah. And I, and I bring this up, I'm going to say, kind of say it again, because we teach this to our students because we want their faith to grow stronger. But I think that all of us, our faith can grow stronger when we see the facts of who Jesus really is. And we can share that with other people. Here's just a couple of them. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it said that Jesus would be born of a virgin. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we know that Jesus was born to Mary, who was a virgin. This was prophesied, and it was fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, it prophesied the place of his birth. It says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For, I, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. How many of you got to choose where you were born? You don't get to choose where you're born. You don't get to choose your parents. You don't get to choose any of the the circumstances around your birth, right? So it says that he would be born in Bethlehem of a virgin. It said that he would be called out of Egypt. In chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, Matthew quotes, he says, So that he got up, Joseph got up, he took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for Egypt. And they stayed there until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophets, out of Egypt I've called my son. So they, they fled to Egypt, and then they came back home after Herod died. So, so Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was called up out of Egypt, and it said that his hometown, in chapter 2, verse 23, it says, he, Joseph, went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So, what was, so it was fulfilled what, the, what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Back in that day, there was no cars, obviously. You didn't travel outside of your hometown, right? You didn't go anywhere. You were born where you, you lived where you were born, and that's about it. You didn't travel much. And Jesus really didn't travel much. But in the very beginning of his life, he was born in Bethlehem, called out of Egypt, and his hometown was in Nazareth. So he was known as a Nazarene. That didn't happen back then. That's just three of the prophecies that was fulfilled in the one man, Jesus. And I could go on and on and on about how all two-year-old boys were killed during his time. 
That happened when Jesus was, was two. About his cousin, John the Baptist, that happened. All of these things Jesus had no control over. Well, he did because he was God, but he didn't have control over as a human, right? It was things that kids don't have control over. And he was fulfilling all of these prophecies. That he healed the sick, that he was not famous, that he taught with parables. Now, those are things that he could control, and he did those things as a fulfillment of the prophecies. There was prophecies that he would not have a broken bone in Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. We know that there were three crosses when Jesus died, and that in order to get them to be dead before the Passover, the Romans went and broke their legs so they would die of asphyxiation or suffocation. And so they went and they broke the legs of the other two guys because you shouldn't have died that quickly. But Jesus, we know he gave up his spirit. It wasn't taken from him. And they went to go break Jesus's legs and they didn't need to because he was already dead. And so that fulfilled a prophecy that shouldn't have been fulfilled. They should have just gone and broke everybody's legs, but they checked, they, they speared him and blood and water came out, fulfilled a prophecy. We know that his disciples scattered. That fulfilled a prophecy that he, couldn't, that he didn't control that because he was already dead. We know that the, the money that was used to betray Jesus was blood money that was used to purchase a potter's field. He had no control over that. It was after he had died. And we know that that prophecy was fulfilled. All of these prophecies are fulfilled in one man, Jesus. The birth and life and death of this particular Jewish man is a remarkable thing. And that's what we share. That's what we teach our students. We teach them to know this man and to follow him and to believe in him, to live their life for his glory, not ours. And I wanna challenge you to do the same thing. I wanna challenge you to have a faith of your own, to have a faith that you believe in because just like our teenagers, for each and every one of us, it's not about going through the motions. It's not about checking the boxes or just showing up to church. It's about knowing Jesus and believing in him. And you know what? There's a world out there that needs him. One last little thing. Somebody, I, I've got this whole long story that I share, and maybe some of the students have heard it before, but somebody asked me a long time ago, when I bought them a meal, there's a dude on the side of the road. I bought him a meal and I shared the gospel with him. And at the very, very end, I invited him to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he said, why should I believe that yours is the truth when the Hare Krishnas bought me a meal yesterday? And I sat there and I didn't have a great answer for him. I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't expecting that, but I, was, I, I thought that for myself. Why should, some, why should somebody believe us that Ours is true when all of these other religions do good things as well. Why is ours right and theirs is not? And I part, point right here. 351 prophecies. I look at the validity of the scripture and how we have so many copies of it and they, and they all agree with themselves. In over 1,600 years, people, 40 different authors wrote this book and it agrees right? And, and nothing is in science has ever disproven God. And I could go on and on and on and on. And I could tell you all sorts of reasons. I could tell that guy right now, a, a, a list as long as my arm of reasons, why I believe that ours is right and all the other ones are not. And all of those things have strengthened my faith. And I get the honor and the blessing to be able to share those things with our teenagers. 
to hopefully build and strengthen their faith. And I want to challenge you as well, that your faith would be strengthened as you come into contact with God's word, as you know him more, that you may go out and share the gospel with the world out there that needs to hear him as well. So today, if you would like to make a decision of faith for the Lord, I want to invite you. We're going to sing a song here in just a minute. And if you'd like to come forward and, 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 and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you're like, I didn't even know that. 351 prophecies. I'll put my faith in him. And that faith may just be small, but it can grow. If you want to join our church, if you want to get baptized, if you want to rededicate your life, come forward. We have um, some folks that love to, to talk with you and chat with you. I'll chat with you after the service if you'd like to share that decision with me. But let us go out from here sharing the truth of Jesus and also knowing that our students and praying for our students as they are continuing in their faith and as their faith gets stronger and stronger every day. Will you guys pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity, this, this blessing to be a part of your work, to be a part of what you're doing in our church, to be a part of what you're doing in our community. Lord, I pray that more people will come to know you, that they will come to put their faith in you, that they'll turn from their sinfulness, they will trust in you for forgiveness, that, that we will be able to communicate to them that there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. But there is forgiveness and grace and mercy and growth and sanctification as we want to become made more and more and more like you. Lord, we give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing with us as we do this last song. the ground.
Sunday.